0: Happy Easter, and thank you again for joining us online. If we can be honest, this is not the Easter that we imagined having together. But I'm still grateful that uh, despite all of the challenges that we've been able to experience worship in meaningful and beautiful ways, I especially want to thank our staff, our production crew, our worship team, Uh, for serving us and leading us through this difficult season. Uh, You guys have been awesome, and and I'm just so grateful uh, to have you serving us and partnering with you in this ministry. John Maxwell, a well-known author and speaker, he once told a story about a town in Maine that became the site of a large hydroelectric plant. And so that meant that a dam would be built uh, across the river and that entire small town would become submerged underwater. And so when the project was set, the townspeople were compensated for their losses. Uh, they were given many months to arrange their affairs and relocate. And during those months, a curious, curious thing happened uh, to that town. Uh, everyone stopped caring. All improvements ceased. No painting was done. No repairs were made on buildings or roads. People stopped tending their lawns. So day by day, the whole town got shabbier and shabbier. And a long time before even the waters came, the town looked abandoned, even though people were still living there. And when asked what happened and and what was your your rationale and, and, and what was going on in the town, one citizen explained, Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. Well, right now, as we are all sheltering at home, a lot of us are getting shabbier and shabbier. Uh, men go days without shaving. Uh, and Men are in dire need for a haircut. Uh, I hear stories of women, not at my house, but women wearing the same yoga pants day after day until they finally have to wash them. Uh, I read online that the, um, the market for loungewear is at like an all-time high. Like get those sweats, get those pants, get that comfortable clothing. Uh, A lot of us are eating instant noodles, junk food, way too much. There's a new social media hashtag, the Corona 15. And it's, yeah, another thing you don't want to get. Gyms and parks are closed, so it's hard to exercise. And life just feels like we're in this holding pattern or we're in suspended animation. And so we all understand why it's important to shelter at home. Uh, We're doing that for our good and for the good of others but it's getting harder and harder to endure. And there's no clear end in sight. And so with the future so uncertain, many of us are losing power and meaning in the present. A lot of us are experiencing feelings of despair, uh, depression, and hopelessness. Uh, I can, uh, if I can be honest and vulnerable, uh, I'm going in and out of those emotions on a daily basis. And today on Easter Sunday, we all need to remember the powerful hope that god provides his people this hope that we have in jesus christ the apostle peter describes it as a living hope as a living hope that is grounded in the resurrection of our lord brothers and sisters the message of easter it's not just one of wishful thinking or empty optimism the message of easter is not just romantic religion trying to tickle our ears and make us feel better no the gospel is a powerful truth that gives us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And so if, you're, if you have your Bibles, would you please turn to our passage for today? I'll be reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. And let's go there uh, in our text. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Trusting that you're there. May God bless the reading of his holy and inerrant word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen, the word of the Lord. Well, today in classic fashion, we're gonna unpack three ideas from our text, three ideas from our text. And the first is this, the reason for hope second, the reward of hope, and finally, the endurance of hope. Okay? So the reason for it, the reward for it, and the endurance of it, hope. If there's anyone in the New Testament who can write about hope, it's actually the Apostle Peter. When Jesus first called him to follow him and become a disciple, he left his home. He left his family, he left his work, all because he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. For three years, he traveled with Jesus. He heard him teach. He saw him perform amazing miracles. And Peter confessed with his own lips, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter completely bound his life to Jesus Christ as a disciple. But when Jesus died on the cross, It was the end of all of Peter's hopes. He was thinking three years wasted. Everything is lost. He and his friends, they would all be guilty by association with Jesus. That's why he denied Jesus three times to save himself, saying, I never knew him. I don't know this man. As Jesus hung on the cross, Peter was lost in bitter hopelessness. He was drowning in his sorrows. But Jesus did not remain dead. God raised him from the grave. And on Easter morning, when the women told the disciples that the tomb was empty, Peter got up and he ran to the tomb. He sprinted to the tomb to see for himself. And when Jesus appeared in the upper room to the disciples, hope was fully reborn. Hope was rekindled, a hope that was lost. A hope that had died. It was found again and renewed by the resurrected Lord. And this is why Peter calls this Christian hope, this gospel hope, a living hope. He experienced it himself. And he writes so that we could have it as well. Look with me again to verse 3 of our passage. Peter writes, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you read that verse closely, you'll see that it's not as simple as us just having hope in the resurrection. It's it's much more than that. That is a good truth. That's a solid, valuable truth for us. But there's something greater, something more personal that Peter is describing when he's describing our living hope. One theologian, Edmund Clowney, he writes this. Christ's resurrection spells hope for us, not just because he lives, but because by God's mercy, we live. In Christ's triumph, God makes all things new, beginning with us. In Christ's triumph, God makes all things new, beginning with us. Friends, have you experienced this? Is this reality yours, a living hope, a new life in Jesus? Because that is how we have this thing that Peter is describing as a living hope. It's not just us agreeing to the fact, the idea, the truth that Jesus is alive. No, it's by us experiencing the power of the gospel as we fully trust in who Jesus is and then receive all that he has to offer us. Jesus came so that you and I might have life. He rose from the dead so that you and I could be raised with him. There's such a difference between just mere head knowledge and experience. There's such a difference between just knowing something and experiencing it. I could describe the Grand Canyon for you. I could show you high definition pictures and images of the Grand Canyon. We could, we could watch uh, planet Earth in 4K together. But until you go, until you go to the Grand Canyon and experience its breathtaking beauty, everything else falls short. Before Alice and I had our son, Seth, we talked to dozens and dozens of couples about what parenting is like, how good it is, how hard it is. We, we bought books. My wife read books. I didn't read any books. Um, we took classes, but we didn't fully understand the gift the blessing, just the whole experience of parenting until Seth came into our lives last year. And when we actually moved from knowledge to experience, it changed everything. Church, this is what I want for you today. This is what I want for you in your lives, to experience what it means to be born again unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. For you and I to have new life, in Christ. And the way to do that, it's simple. It's supernatural, but it's simple. You trust in Jesus and you cry out for God's mercy. You cry out for God's mercy. And when we do this, when we are asking God for mercy, we are actually acknowledging our sin. We're saying, God, have mercy on us. Forgive us. We're acknowledging that we can't save ourselves. We're acknowledging that nothing in this world and no one else in this world can save us but God himself. And when you and I trust in Jesus, it's not just merely agreeing with him. Okay, assent is important, but that's just the entry point. We are placing our everything in him. We are placing our everything in him. And we are following, we are becoming followers of him. This is what Peter did when he put down his nets To follow Jesus. He not only agreed with Jesus the person. He not only agreed with Jesus' words. He actually followed. He actually followed after him. This is what the apostle Paul did. When he met Jesus on that road to Damascus. And this is what Jesus is calling us to do. Even while we are sheltering at home. In our bedrooms. In our living rooms. Jesus is inviting us. He's calling us to follow him to believe that he is the way the truth and the life and what Jesus is offering to you and I is a living hope a living hope that is good a living hope that is beautiful a living hope that sustains us and for all who are born again we have a beautiful reward in verse 4 we see that for all who hope in God there is a beautiful inheritance it is imperishable It is undefiled, it is unfading, and it is kept in heaven for you. This means that the inheritance God has in store for us, it can never be destroyed. It can never be polluted or corrupted, and it will never decay. It will never lose its value, its radiance, or its beauty. And I love that promise, that our inheritance, it's kept in heaven for us. This means that God is the guarantor of our inheritance. I've said this many times before. Uh, I don't have much of an estate. Okay? I don't have much of an estate. Uh, there's not much to the Lee name. Uh, but I do have life insurance. I do have life insurance. And I bought it hoping that it would uh, provide help and support to my family should anything uh, happen to me. I hope that it would be some form of inheritance for my family. So when I was first buying life insurance, I went online. And like many searches, you'll find a sea of options, different companies, different terms, different prices, different types of plans. And I didn't just choose the policy that gave me the uh, most amount of money for the least amount of pricing. Okay? Uh, I didn't go for the uh, best coverage or most coverage for the best price. I chose a company that I trusted and thought would be around for the next 30 years or more to come. I didn't want to choose the blockbuster of life insurance or the, uh, the Napster of insurance companies. I needed to choose the best keeper, okay? Not just the best terms for my policy, but the best keeper of my policy. And so this is the one that I chose. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to tell you. That's ridiculous. I'm not an insurance salesman. Uh, but maybe their numbers would have gone up after this message. Um, but you get the point. You get the point. It's not enough... Just to have a great inheritance prepared for us or promised to us. We need a reliable keeper. We need a reliable keeper. And for all of God's sons and daughters, God himself is the keeper of our inheritance. Just like he did with Abraham. He swears upon himself that he will give us all that he promises if we would but trust in him. And so Peter continues on in verse 5 and he says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay. And this is amazing because in verse 4 we are told God keeps our inheritance for us. In verse 5 he actually tells us that we are kept to be able to receive that inheritance. God not only keeps our inheritance but we are kept to be able to receive it. We are kept by God's power through the instrument of faith. And so this means that God is going to sustain us. He's going to protect us. He's going to give us strength to endure all the way to glory. So what is our inheritance? What is this thing that is imperishable? This thing that that will not decay? For Israel in the Old Testament, it, it was the land of Canaan. It was the land of milk and honey. But if you read through the Old Testament, you see that because of Israel's disobedience, because of their sin and lack of faith, the land is ransacked and destroyed by outsiders. The land is defiled with idolatry and false worship. The land experiences famine and devastation. But for one tribe, okay, remember there were 12 tribes in Israel. For one tribe, God had a different inheritance. It wasn't land. In Numbers eighteen twenty, God tells Aaron and the tribe of Levi, you shall have no inheritance in their land. Neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. For the priests of Israel, God said, the land is not your inheritance. The land is not your portion. The land is not to be your treasure. I am. I am your portion. I am your inheritance. Brothers and sisters, this is the essence of ours. This is the essence of our inheritance. We are a priesthood of all believers. And so, yes, the meek shall inherit the earth. Yes, we will dwell in the city of God forever. But our true inheritance, our great and glorious inheritance, it is God himself. And one day our faith shall become sight, and in heaven we will receive the full reward of our salvation. Church, I'm I'm praying. I'm praying that none of us will lose our lives to the coronavirus. I'm praying for a cure and a vaccine. I'm praying for our government, all of our health care workers and first responders. I'm praying that those who are sick would be able to recover and be healed. But we all know that if it is not this, something else will bring us to our end. Something else will lead us to our death. If it is not today, it will be another day in the future. And I want to ask you very soberly, what will be your inheritance? When you breathe your last on this earth, when you, have the, when you meet the end of your life, what will be your inheritance? What will be our reward for the lives that we have lived? My prayer is that your inheritance, that your portion would be God himself, whose beauty and goodness is imperishable, it is undefiled, and it is unfading. Peter closes the passage with a reminder that our faith will be tested. It will be tried as gold that goes through the fire. But in the midst of the trials, Peter calls us to rejoice in hope. Now, let me be clear. We are not rejoicing in the trials themselves, okay? We should not treat suffering as like a merit badge or a Boy Scout badge or something that we have accomplished or experienced. There's no pride that we should have in the midst of trials. That would be wrong and confusing. But what Peter is saying, is that in the midst of trials, we can rejoice. We can have hope in the promise that we are kept by God. We are kept for God. And then that will never be compromised. That will never be lost. And so there is always hope in the midst of trials as we hope in God and the gospel. And we are reminded that our trials, though painful, that our trials, though dark, they will only last for a little while. And then he offers his church, these churches in exile, these beautiful words. Verse eight. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though, do you, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Friends, it is true. For Peter, and the disciples, for the likes of Paul, Mary, and Martha, they were privileged to be able to see Jesus in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. That is such a privilege, and they were called to be witnesses of the gospel. But for the churches that Peter was writing to, this was absolutely true. This first generation of churches that were planted all throughout all throughout the um, Mediterranean, all throughout the Greek world, they were not eyewitnesses to the resurrected Lord. They didn't see Jesus, just as we don't get to see Jesus today. And though they didn't see, they loved. Though they don't see him in the present, they still believe, and they still rejoice in hope. Brothers and sisters, this is how you and I are called to see the beauty of Jesus. It's through the eyes of faith. And it's to experience Jesus, not in the flesh, but Jesus by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit renewing our minds. The Holy Spirit working and ministering to our hearts. So may that be true for us. May that be true for you. Though you don't see him, you love him. Though we can't see him and touch him right now in the present, we would still believe. And by faith, we would know that we will eventually see him in glory. One day, our faith will become sights and our reward will be God himself. It will be his glory made known to us and revealed to us. Brothers and sisters, this is the beauty of Jesus in the gospel. This is the beauty and the power of Easter where we can celebrate and remember all that Jesus Christ has done for us and all that Jesus accomplishes within us. Don't let Christianity be something external to you. Don't let Christianity be reduced to a bunch of ideas and theological truths. Would Christianity be the truth that transforms your heart, the truth that transforms your life, Would the gospel be a truth, the truth, that we proclaim today and in this season as we experience a global pandemic, the likes that we've never seen before? May we proclaim a message of goodness, truth, and beauty to a world that desperately needs it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word your truth, and all of your promises for us today. We thank you that for all of your sons and daughters, there is an inheritance that is kept by you and that you will keep us to be able to receive that and enjoy all that you have promised us. Father, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, that there would be people watching our service in their homes, in their rooms, that would experience what it means to be born again, that would experience a rekindling of hope in their lives, that we could join with Peter in celebrating the living hope that Jesus Christ offers to us. Help us to believe, help us to be assured, help us to be truly and fully convicted that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord. And Father, as we do so, in the midst of these trials we are facing, in the midst of of what feels like such a heavy darkness that is overshadowing the earth, I pray, God, that we as your people, that we would shine brightly, that we would be radiant, that we would show the world the beauty of Jesus Christ. Help us to do that for your glory and the good the good of this world. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.